0: Luke 6 says this, verse 27, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Tough verses, yeah? Like challenging verses, When if we don't just skip over them. Actually, we're reading with Penny, myself, and Patrice, and we read it from her Bible, her little uh, like NIV Bible. And uh, we got to the bit where if somebody hits you on the cheek, turn the other cheek to them. And we couldn't even read the next verse before Penny looked at us like we were nuts and was like, what? And their word, exact words, I'm not doing that. And that's just, I mean, but that's exactly what, like Penny might have spoken it out loud, Yeah. But but hands up, who who says that in their hearts when we read it, right? And what we maybe do is like, I'm not doing that. And then we just read on. So we just like, we just skip it. We don't dwell on what that actually might mean. We just kind of, it's like we have this Christianity that we like, we pick the little bits that we want. Like I'll take, Lord, I want the forgiveness, yeah? And I want the feeling good when we sing songs. And I want the blessing. Um, I'll, I'll take your forgiveness, but I don't really want to forgive others. I'll take your mercy, but I don't really want to to be merciful. It's like we're ordering from like a menu of Christianity, and like I'll have some of the forgiveness, I'll have some of the blessing, but but like love your enemies. Why is why is that even there? Why like why is that even a, why is that even an option? That makes that makes no sense. Who's going to choose? Um, who's going to choose that? And I think Jesus knew, knew that that was the case. Well, I don't think I know he knew that was the case because he's saying something controversial. He's saying something that goes against our default, yeah? That goes against the, the way that we would, we would typically act in the natural. And so later on, he finishes off this little sermon on the plane by saying, guys, don't, don't call me Lord and then not do what I tell you to do. Basically, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then don't do, don't do what I say? He knows that, like, as we've read that or heard that stuff, we're going to be like, okay, I can't do that, or I'm not going to do that. We might even say it out loud, but we just do that with our lives, yeah? We just, like, skim over it onto chapter 8. Forget about what I said there in chapter 7. Um, it's like, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what, I tell, what you tell me? And he tells this kind of mini little parable. It's like, where are you going to build your house? Are you going to build your house on a rock? That's like doing what I tell you. Or are you going to build your house on the sand, and when the wind and waves come you'll be washed away because it's built on your own philosophy it's built on your own it's on your own wisdom it's like you'll be blessed if you do what i tell you to do including this love people bless people pray for people not just people who you like but people who are against you and so what i wanted to do this morning was to like last week was about blesses the man who meditates on the law of the lord day and night yeah who treasures it who wants it it's like well let's let's take those hard verses that we would tend to skip over and let's meditate on them this morning and see what blessing comes from that. Let's put what God has said we're meant to do with his word uh, into action and, uh, and spend some time on it. And can I start at the beginning? And I want to start with this at the beginning, not because it's the most important point, Duranton, but just because when I tried to put it anywhere else in my sermon, it mixed up the flow of it, right? Because there's some like, obvious questions we need to ask. Forgive me if I phrase this wrong, right? But, but when Jesus said this stuff, he's not talking some robotic cause and effect stuff, right? Like there's, there's exceptions to all of these cases, right? And the reason I'm careful about saying there's exceptions to these cases is because when somebody says that to me, that's like my get out of jail free card. All right, I don't actually have to obey it. He wasn't—he was speaking in hyperbole. He was being like over the top, so maybe he pull us like closer into the middle or whatever. Um, but there are exceptions where it says like, because there were times when people came and they asked Jesus for a sign, "Give us a sign." He's like, "No." You're not getting a sign. So, I mean, give to anyone who asks of you, yeah? Somebody had asked him for something and he said no. Why? Because love interprets the law. Love sums up the law. And Jesus does the most loving thing in any situation. That we're not foolish with, with our stuff. Like if somebody came in here and says, I'm taking all your kids away. We don't just give to everyone who asks, yeah? Like, and and, and that's, that's an obvious example. But, but in life, it's like it's born out in the, you know, somebody stops you on the street and asks you for money that you know they're going to use for drugs you know that you know it's like what's the loving thing to do in that situation if somebody asks you to help them commit a crime or something you don't do that right but but what's the what's the obvious stuff like maybe somebody has done something against you and your family and you forgive them because that's right but but that doesn't mean that necessarily you you trust them and that you, you bring them back into a place of, of trust again. right? So there's, there's wisdom needed in all of this. But what Jesus is saying here is that we should have some new defaults. Because none of this is our default. right? And by our default I mean our natural reaction. He's saying that your natural reaction needs to to change. That yeah there'll be exceptions to the rule. But instead of the exception being, I'm gonna show love sometimes, right? Like one time out of a hundred, I'll show love or I'll do this. It's like maybe there's one time out of a hundred where the act the response isn't to give to somebody because that causes more damage. Yeah. That love interprets these things, okay? We're not meant to have a robotic understanding. We have a will, we have a mind, we're meant to meditate on these things. We're meant to allow them to shape us. But the point is not that we explain it away, but that love interprets the right thing to do in each situation. And that we don't explain it away by bringing a context to it, but we allow these verses to change the context of our own hearts and the way that we even understand the world, right? So I just wanted to say that at the start. But let's work through it kind of piece by piece. But I say to you who here love your enemies. Okay, enemies. Hands up who has any enemies? I mean, maybe like two or three of us. Yeah, you probably fall into one of one of. Tom has a lot of enemies. You probably fall into one of two camps, right? Either you know who that is right now, right? You have some enemies. You have some people who are against you, working against you. Like, and that's maybe true for a few people in the room, or or probably for the most of us, you're like your enemy. I don't have any enemies. We're like we're a neutral country. Yeah, we're not at war with anybody. Like I'm a I'm a good good enough person. I don't go around making enemies of people. I don't intentionally do stuff that's going to make people want to retaliate against me. And you might think that. uh, that the person in the second boat is in a better place than the person in the first boat. So the person who doesn't have any enemies is better off than the person who does have enemies. Except that Jesus, before he said, love your enemies, started with another verse. We started reading at verse 27. But if you actually start reading at verse 26, he says this, Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Basically, Jesus saying, be worried if you don't have any enemies. Be worried if, there's, if everybody speaks good things about you. So point one is like, if you don't have any enemies, get some, right? Because he's saying, he's saying be worried, and this is going to sound harsh. Basically, what I, when I interpret that, here's what I hear. If there's no one against you, if everybody likes you, it's an indication that you're a fake. Did you hear that? If there's nobody against you, if everybody likes you, it's an indication that you're a fake. That's what, that's what Jesus is saying, right? Woe to you when people speak well of you, when all they have to say is good stuff about you. Why? Because their fathers did this to the false prophets. Now, what's that got to do with Anthony, the false prophets? What did the false prophets do? They didn't tell people what God wanted to say. They didn't side with God. They told people what they wanted to hear. They were, they were fakes, yeah? They were, they were people-pleasers. They weren't God-pleasers. They were God and perhaps... The reason that many of us don't face opposition for the sake of Christ and his kingdom is that we live in fear of actually expressing it and living out of fear of the rejection of people. If I, if I stand up for God in this way or I speak this way or I live this way, I'm just going to look like a religious nut. I'm going to look crazy to people. Like, and like, in our like liberal, postmodern, relative culture, am I am I going to be labelled as a hater or a bigot for aligning my life with like the unchanging Word of God versus whatever society is saying is true of the world right now, which was different a generation ago, and will guarantee it will be different a generation from now. Yeah, where am I going to align with? The temptation for us is always to just align with the world, or just to be just to be quiet, like not say anything not speak out, not live out, just like like be in the background. But if we're, in, if we're in the background, are we obeying Jesus' call to be salt and light in the world? Jesus says you don't hide a lamp under a, under a whatever, a bushel. I don't know what a bushel is. Assume it's something that you hide a lamp with. You don't, you don't do that. Yeah, like you don't, you don't hide your light before people. But, but, but do we? Do we because we're afraid of rejection? Do we because we're afraid of having enemies? Jesus says here, don't be afraid of having enemies. He says, be afraid when you don't have any enemies. Be worried when you don't have any enemies because it's evidence that you're living a fake life. It's evidence you're not standing up for what you actually believe in. It's evidence that you're afraid of man. It's evidence that you're a slave to people's opinions. Be worried about that. Woe to you. If that's you this morning and it's been me and it is me, woe to Be worried, Rob. Be worried. Are you being fake or are you being real? Because if we're real, we're going to face some hate. We're going to have people who hate us. Why? Because John, John chapter 3 says, those who are in the darkness hate the light. I'm not speaking against the people who are in the darkness because every single one of us was in the darkness until Jesus brought us into the light, yeah? But those who are in the darkness hate it. Like it's repulsive to them. They don't want it. So, so evidence that you're not living as light is if people don't hate you. They should if you're living as light. Not because you're wrong, but because you're, you're right, because light exposes their own darkness. Light, light, light exposes what's going on in the dark and people don't like to be exposed in that way. So life, Jesus is saying here, isn't about getting everyone to like you and everyone to think you're great. Be worried if everyone thinks you're great, because they don't know what, what greatness is. If everyone in the dark speaks well of you, it's likely because you're no threat to the darkness. So what do enemies look like, right? Let's take box one and assume you have some enemies, right? Here's Jesus expands upon it because we can have the generic word, love your enemies, and maybe we think of somebody who's like, I don't know, ISIS or something, you know what I mean? And they're like they're like thousands of miles away. That's not engaging with me. So Jesus expands then verse by verse. Here's what, here's what your enemies look like. Here's, here's how I'm gonna challenge you. You're not just gonna explain it away or, 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 or like brush over it. I'm gonna go into some detail here. When you have enemies, here's what it's gonna look like. There's gonna be some people who hate you. Like who actually hate, who hate you. There's going, verse 27 says that. Verse 28, there's gonna be some people who curse you. Meaning there's gonna be people who like say bad things about you, who lie about you. There's going to be people who, who slander you. This is what to expect in the world in general, yeah? But expect in particular if you're a follower of Jesus. People are going to lie about you. People are going to misrepresent you. People are going to say stuff about you that isn't true and you know isn't true. Curse even speaks of like a stronger thing. People are going to wish like bad things to happen to you. You know, like speaking a curse over somebody, like I hope hope, some, hope your house falls down or something. You know, I hope, hope something bad happens. like that, that, that internal, not just they don't like you, but like something inside them is bent towards seeing your destruction, seeing something bad happen to you. That's what you can expect, yeah? They'll curse you. Um, verse 29, there's people who go a step further and they'll physically like wrong you. That they'll they'll strike you it says here and spin struck on the cheek isn't just like like the start of a fight or something like there's there's a, a context here where if you were to be put out of the synagogue like the jewish community like if you were to be put out of a place of worship they would do it by like slapping you on the cheek so it's not just an act of violence towards you though it includes that right not just an act of violence but it's also an act of rejection an act of saying you don't you don't belong here with us you don't you don't get to be a part of us, we're, we're rejecting we're rejecting you, you're, you're not on the inside you're, you're on the outside, you're not us it's, so, it's like that, that kind of like demeaning don't agree with you, slap you on the cheek we're rejecting you in public you're out of here verse 29 and 30, there's going to be people who intentionally take advantage of you who try and manipulate you to think what's yours, you know, who think they're Christians they're a soft touch, take off them, what's theirs you know, I can manipulate them, I can rip them off charge them more for stuff, I can take this thing off them and they won't ask for it back you know, I can, like there's going to be people who, who try and like who think you're, who think you're an idiot do you know what I mean, they'll have a, have a business friend who says I was born again but I wasn't born yesterday do you know what I mean, but there'll be people who think that you were born yesterday, who think like you're you, you, just, you, won't, you, won't, you won't fight back, you won't whatever so that gives them license to manipulate that gives them license to use you that gives them license to, to come against you they'll take advantage of you now none of that stuff is uh, none of that stuff is easy to handle, is it? If you're like if you're like me, there's something in that's like, no, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Like my default, right? I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian all my life, but there's still something in my nature that hasn't been shaped by by these words. Something that. My default in the face of violence isn't to show peace or isn't to show love. Penny and Patrice were slagging me during the week. I'm not a violent person at all. But I took, out of the, I took something out of the high press and then it wasn't there. So I looked down in the low press for it. And then I stood back up and I hit my head off the high press, right? And, uh, and like in a split second, I turned around like I decked the high press, right? And, uh, and slammed it shut. And uh, now what did that achieve? Nothing, right? That was stupid. Why did I do, What was I thinking doing that? I wasn't thinking. It's just my reaction. Something caused me pain caused pain back it's just something built in you and it's in it's in me like if someone insults me like immediately like my intellect will go to like how do i insult them back how do i get better somebody belittles me how am i going to belittle them back somebody rejects me well stuff them i'm rejecting them like they don't get to reject me i'm rejecting them somebody hurts me i hurt back that's that's in us and we feel like that's right yeah we feel like that's justice we feel like that's that's what we need to do if we're like if we're hurt now you hurt back if, you, if you're rejected, you reject back, and we just mirror that stuff out. It's our it's our natural response, but Jesus is showing that maybe this isn't the right way to go. And when you think about it, right, when you actually engage with it and you meditate on it, I was thinking about it this week, and I'm like, right, it's tough. But then I'm like, well, what else? What else could he say? What's he actually going to say, right? Like the world's in a mess, yeah. The world's the world's in bits. I looked up. I was watching some stuff on like Rwanda during the week on the genocide that happened there in the 90s. I was, I was like. The world is crazy. I, like I ended up googling, do you know, like 120 million people died in the 20th century because of wars. 120 million people. What do we expect Jesus to land on the earth and be like? Yeah, just continue on as you are, lads. It's working. It's working fine. The world is grand. It's not falling apart. Like it's it's fine. Don't change anything. Like here's what to do, right? Like don't don't worry about about about, about making a difference in the world. Here's what to do. Here's what I think you should do. Maybe you should just like like carve yourselves off into a little bubble and just protect, protect your own lives and make sure that you only love the people who love you back or you only, you only love the people who look like you and think like you and talk like you come from the same country or the same culture the same background like do we really expect Jesus to say to say that to us and if he did what if he took it further and he said that about himself and it's like well, what if he said well that's what I'm going to do I'm only going to love those people who, who love me who never. I'm, gonna, I'm only going to love the people who never rejected me I'm only going to love the people who never ignored me I'm only going to love the people who never like, pretended I didn't exist. Who will be left to love? Nobody. Jesus came with a radical world-changing message. I, to me, he's basically saying this. If you want what you've got, keep on doing what you're doing. But if you want something different, here's the way. That's why he goes on to say in the second half. If you only love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even the sinners do it. He's like, that's in your default. But your default is only getting you, it's got you the world that you're living in right now, yeah? If you, if you ask for money back after people lend you, you lend money and you ask, ask for it back, that's, that's just what the world does. And it builds up, but what has what that produced in the world? Look around, open your eyes. Oh, we need, we need a different way. We exist, guys. Every one of us exists in this room because God loves his enemies. The world still exists. He didn't just annihilate it because God loves his enemies. People who actively reject him and abuse him and mock him and belittle him. He reaches out in love to them. That's what changes the world. The, the retaliation, the eye for an eye stuff, the slapping back when you get slapped, the rejection when you reject, the hurting when you get hurt, all that does is add to stuff, yeah? That individual arguments become tribal arguments, become civil wars, become wars across countries, that individuals ripping off their neighbours eventually becomes corporations, like melting the planet and moving wealth from the poor to the rich. Like, like this stuff accelerates, it's like at some point it needs to change. And it doesn't change by just doing onto others what they did do to you. It changes by doing onto others what you wish they'd done for you. We need something different if we want different results. Do what the world does, and we get what the world gets. And the entry point into it is love. To love your enemies. Now love isn't just like I'm going to sit in my couch and, and love people from there. Like It's not just an internal action. Though it starts as an internal action. It's something that's active. It's not a passive thing. Love is like a verb. It's a doing thing. It's not passive resistance. Not do nothing. Love is like a retaliation. Everything that Jesus lists here. He doesn't say when people just persecute you or when people hurt you just sit back and ignore it or do your best to just get through it. No he gives an alternative where love shapes us and causes us to retaliate. But not retaliate by mirroring the the same thing that happened to us, to retaliate in a different way that neutralizes and that changes the world around us, even if it's one person at a time, one relationship at a time, that we create a new environment around us where love overcomes those things that were done against us. But it's always an action. Love is a weapon, love is the way that we, we fight back. It's not just a thing that makes us withdraw and be battered by people. No, love is the way that we attack our enemies who are attacking us. We we attack them with love. That's what Jesus did. He didn't just sit back in heaven and be like, ah, oh, God loved them. I love them from a distance. No, he engaged, he came and it cost him something. He engaged the enemy. Not on the enemy's terms, but he engaged the enemy on the real terms, the terms of love. He has a weapon that's not available to the enemy because the weapon is rooted in the character of who God is and the enemy is against the character of who God is. But guess what? The character of who God is, where it says God is love, is the thing that ultimately brings victory to the world, that restores the world. Love is an active thing. It's a weapon. It's the way... That we retaliate. And if we look back through the verses that we've seen there. It says, what to it say? Love your enemies. Verse 27 says this. Um, do good to those who hate you. Right? Not just ignore those who hate you. Here should be your response. I'm going to start to think about how I can do good. There's a verb in there. It's assuming you're going to do something. Somebody shows hate towards you. It's not just like, oh, stuff them, forget them. I'm withdrawn from the world. It's like, no. Your retaliation, the weapon of love that God has given you, is to go and do good for them that your response should be, what can I do to help them? What can I do for that person? you see that it's like it involves action the next thing uh bless those who curse you cursing you speaking bad about you yeah slandering you lying about you like wishing your worst it says to bless them that doesn't just mean like like ignore them which we take it as it means to bless them we end most services with like the ironic blessing the lord bless you keep you cause his face to shine upon you be gracious to you lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace that's what you're meant to be praying for the people who lie about you who slander you who who speak evil about you who want your worst You're not just meant to respond with cursing or respond with like passivity or neutrality. You're meant to respond with the weapon of love and bless them. Bless them the way that the Lord has blessed you. Say that God be with that person. Keep them. Cause your face to shine upon them. Be gracious to them. Lift up your countenance upon them. Give them peace. Give them wholeness. Give them fullness. That's your weapon against the cursing that comes against you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, Offer the other also. There's an action there. The one who rejects you, you confront their rejection. You confront it with saying, "I'm not. I'm not defined by your rejection." You want to slap me here? Okay, slap me there as well. I'm not. I'm not defined by it. I'm not taking on board that rejection. You, you highlight the darkness by living as light in the middle of it. You're not being a, a mug when you do that. You're you're fighting the battle that matters. Bless those who curse you. i skipped one. Pray for those who abuse you, who mistreat you, it's out in Penny's thing, who, like, who actively hurt you, who, who, who intentionally, don't just wish bad upon you, right, as in curse you, but who mistreat and abuse you, who physically go to the extent of, of actually hurting you, causing you some loss, causing you some damage. It says pray for those. And how do we pray? Well, in the same sermon, Jesus repeated this sermon in Matthew, and there's Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, and, uh, and he's like, here's how to pray. Pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. How are you meant to pray for your enemies? You're meant to pray, would they come to know you as Father? Would they come to hallow your name? Would they have an understanding of who you are? Would they come to be like, like to love your kingdom and call for your kingdom to come? Would they be wanting your will to be done? And then you pray for their provision. Would, would they receive what they need, Lord? Their daily bread. Would they? Would you forgive them, Lord, and bring them into a place of forgiveness? Would you not lead them into temptation? Would you deliver them from evil? All of the things that you would want for yourselves, you pray that for yourselves, all of the things that you would want for yourself, you're meant to want for your enemy. That's why Jesus says there in verse 31, as, though, as you wish that others would do to you, so do to them. The stuff that you would want for yourself, the things you pray for yourself, you're meant to pray for the person who's wishing the opposite on you because love is a weapon. Love changes. Pray for them. Confront the wrongness of their greed with generosity. Like, give to anyone who asks, even if they think they're ripping you off. And you know they think they're ripping you off, which would really get to you. But you confront that with generosity. You're not ripping me off. Here you go. Here's, some, here's what you need. I have, if I'm able to provide what you need here, Heaven. That generosity confronts Greed. Give to them. Don't look for your stuff back because because you're living by a different standard. Your worth isn't measured in bank balances and and possessions. You have the chance to show where your treasure actually is and and what matters to you. You have a chance to be the witness a witness to the treasure that you have in heaven, the reality of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yeah, that we confront evil with with good. It always involves action. That's what I'm trying to say. And when we respond in this way, is they're they're a demonstration of freedom, which is what I want to spend our last couple of minutes with because. Patrice was right when she started at the beginning. We're powerless to respond in this way. Unless we've been set free by Jesus. And I think it's down to freedom, not just the enablement of Jesus. Like, Jesus, will you enable me to do this, right? But I think there needs to be a deeper level of change. Not just that he gives you some physical ability to do something. But from the heart, he sets you free. And I think slavery is is our problem. In the same way you might have no enemies because you're a slave to people's opinion of you. You might have no enemies because you're a slave to to fear of what people think. You might have no enemies because you just live life by yourself. You're a slave to your to your own security. Jesus needs to set us free and thank Jesus that he came to set us free. That's what he that's what he does. That we realize that if you're a slave to the need for earthly riches and wealth, you won't live like verse verse 30 says. You can't because you think I need to hold on to my stuff. If I give away, I'm not going to have what I need. If I give away, I'm not going to have what I've managed to work hard for and possess and hold on to. You can't live that way unless you've been freed from the love of wealth. Unless you've been freed from what it is that you actually feel you get from wealth, which is security. It's like everything feels okay if I I have enough money. Everything feels okay if I have enough position. We need to be freed from that. And how can we be freed from it? Because it's a need that we have. We have a need for security. We have a need for for, for feeling like that we can't be be shaken. That the world throws something at us, we'll be all right. But where do we actually get it from? We're meant to get it from Jesus. The source is Jesus. The same with if you're a slave to people's approval of you. Then you won't re- let rejection slide. You won't let that slap on the cheek. You won't let that slander slide. You won't, you won't let it go. Because you need people to like you. And you'll do one of two things. You'll either fight against it with more rejection. You reject me, I'm going to reject you. Or the other thing, you'll change who you are so that you don't face more rejection from other people. But there's a third way. And the third way is to know what it is to be freed from that slavery, because we all we all need acceptance. But the gospel tells us there's a source from it that's eternal and that's unchanging and that comes from Jesus. The Father accepts you because of the sacrifice of, of Jesus. And if your acceptance bank is full, then you don't need it from other people. Jesus comes to set us free from that. The best illustration you probably have heard me use it before, but but like it's like It's like when you're full of something you don't need something else. Yeah. When I'm full of food after a big dinner, like I don't need I don't need to open the fridge and and go looking for something. I'm like satisfied. That's what Jesus offers to do. He offers to like satisfy us from the inside out so that we don't need other people's acceptance. When people reject us, we don't feel the weight of it because we're nowhere accepted by the only one who it even matters that we're accepted. Particularly if people don't accept us because of following Jesus. Then we know that we're being true to, to who he is. We're not being fake. We're being real. And the only way to actually live that is to be radically satisfied in Jesus. And The good news, can I tell you, is that Jesus is radically satisfying. And if Jesus is my source, I can't lose all the other stuff. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? That we respond the way we do because we have a need for vindication, acceptance, security, for justice. But Jesus is trying to make us realize that he's the only one who can actually satisfy All those things. Reacting to evil with evil doesn't satisfy the way that you think it does. It just makes the world a worse place. And it doesn't satisfy the longings of your heart. But Jesus does. He's all sufficient. And his acceptance surpasses the rejection of the world. And his blessing surpasses the cursing of the world. And his provision outweighs what the world can take from you. And as you grow in Jesus, you're freed from fear of not having enough that makes us protect what we have. And you're freed from other people's opinions and don't have to filter your life to live for other people's approval. And you're freed from the fear of rejection because you know that you're eternally accepted as children of God. And we look to the one, Jesus. We look to the life he lived. We look to what he suffered we look to the one who actually was cursed and was rejected and was abused and was hated and was falsely accused and was struck and was stripped of his clothes all for the sake of his enemies and we see how much we're loved because he did that for us while we were still his enemies. And we look and we see that after facing all of that stuff, what happens? He's crucified. But God vindicates him by raising him from the dead. And we hold true this this truth in our hearts that if we identify with him in his life and in his death, then we get to identify with him in his life and in his resurrection. And that even if the world looks at us and we look like a people who are being mocked and abused and belittled and cursed and all that sort of stuff, that in the end we're vindicated and we're raised to new life in Jesus. And God shows himself to be true that's what he does even if we're all those things we know that we'll never be cursed or hated or rejected by the father because what Jesus has done is once and for all and has changed our standing with God and that right now God doesn't curse me and God doesn't hate me and God doesn't abuse me God loves me like his child that's why he appeals Jesus does to the end of it when you act like this way he says love your enemies do good lend expecting nothing in return your reward will be great you will be sons of the most high He's kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Guys, oh, I was the ungrateful and the evil who God showed his kindness to. And now he's saying, now you've been made a child of God. I want you to live what you've received. I want you to be who you are. Because I'm loved, I can love. Because of what's been done for me, I can do good in the face of of hatred. Because I've been blessed, I can bless in the face of curses. Because I've experienced God's heart and thoughts towards me, I can extend the same to those who mistreat me. Because I've been shown mercy, I can show mercy. Because I know where my provision comes from, I'm not afraid of losing my stuff. Instead, my stuff becomes a tool to bless rather than a source of identity. And we do all of this because we're children of God, born into a living hope that can't be taken away that's secured for us in heaven what jesus has done is finished and cannot be undone the challenge this week is to live out of who you are this is who you are the challenge this week is to live that way it's not to be like people who say lord lord and then don't do what he says to not build their lives on on stuff that's going to wash away but to be obedient to this the challenge is to build our lives on the rock of obedience this week. The challenge is to actively look for situations today and tomorrow and the next day where you're meant to not just get by in the world, not just be passive in it, but to actively love, to do good to those, to bless, to pray. This is what your life would look like. Show patience in the face and love, in the face of rejection, to forgive, to give, not just to the people you think who deserve it, But in particular to those who you know don't deserve it. Because that's who our father is. And that's who we are as his children. My prayer is simply, Lord, help us do it. Change us from the inside out, Lord. Make us agents of your kingdom. Make us look like our dad in heaven. Who's merciful. Who's gracious. Lord, help us live lives that change the world. That don't just add to what the world wants. But that, that change it, Lord. Help us, free us from the need of approval, Lord. Show us just how you lavish your approval upon us as your children, Lord. Free us from the fear of rejection, Lord. Free us, Lord, free us this morning from the fear of not having enough. Those of us who got up this morning and were worried about our bank balance or were worried about our mortgage payments or worried about anything, free us from that stuff, Lord. Knowing that you provide, Lord God, enabling us to be generous, Lord. Set us free so that we can be who it is that uh, you say we are and who by faith we decide to live as, Lord God. Lord, I commit all of this to you. I pray that you would help us to actively love our enemies this week, Lord God. To do good, to bless, to pray, to forgive and to give in Jesus' name.